0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC-TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 343, recorded on Tuesday, October the 31st. 2017. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, everybody. I think this is maybe the first time we've ever recorded on Halloween.
1: You know, I I was thinking about this earlier. I don't think it is the first time because I remember making comments about what costumes we were wearing at some point. Mm. So I think there might have been another October 31st. Uh, Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, There are 14 possible calendars. Uh So, uh, a Monday or a Tuesday, uh, that we record is there's, uh, seven possible days of the week that it could be on. We've now been recording
0: for eight years. Uh, or, or nine, I mean, 2009 to 2017.
1: So we're bound to double up at some point. Yeah on the, at the last week of October, because the show is in October, we're always recording on the last week of October. So I think we probably have recorded on the 31st. This is the, the assumptions based on those rules that I'm coming up with.
0: Okay. Well, I, that's uh, a safe assumption. I think I can't remember specifically recording on Halloween, but I, I just, you know, want to say the kids are home from their trick or treating adventures. They are upstairs currently counting, organizing and, uh, um, fiddling I guess with all their candy fiddling and, and sneaking well like, there's got to be some candy sneaking there's probably some sneaking but they really like to s- sorting sort organize and count it so they right. they group it all together and then they count how many coffee crisps they got and how many bags of gummy bears and things like that nice. so that's that's good they're doing that i told them to try not to thump around or yell in excitement too much so but if you do hear some of that in the background uh, sometimes it vibrates through the floor a little bit because I'm down here in the subterranean recording studio. Right. Um, Hopefully they go to bed soon, though.
1: And then uh, later on, you'll go up and teach them about income tax.
0: Well, that's already begun. I told them they now have candy income and I'm the candy tax man. And so I have to take a certain percentage.
1: Well, how else are you supposed to, uh, supposed to pay for their education or, and, uh, food and housing and all of the great benefits of living in, uh, the country del Crisso? I guess it's called. I that, don't know. That's what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. <laughs> and you're in the, what did you call it? The subterranean recording something? St-
0: studio. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've, uh, I've actually recently come up with a new name for my, uh, my recording studio. I didn't know that. What is it? I'm calling it the Audio Slave Dungeon.
0: Oh. Slave dungeon.
1: Audio, audio slave. slave. Okay. Well, that's Because audio slave is a thing, right? That's a band, isn't it? It's a band. That's right. Okay. So audio slave dungeon. That's what I'm calling it from now on.
0: All right. Well, Jason's in the dungeon. I'm in the subterranean studio. Yeah, that's good. I don't know where I'd rather be, but it's one of them. <sighs> All right. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you had a good time, did some partying or -or trick-or-treating, depending on whatever your thing is. Uh, Let's also remind everyone before we get started about our Talking Dead November charity drive. And by the time you hear this, it will be November 1st. So officially, that's when the charity drive begins for the uh, full month of November the way it works is you use our Amazon links when you do your shopping at Amazon, and the best way to do that is just go to talkingdeadpodcast.com/Amazon and then click on the country of your choice—that's the most appropriate for you—and all the money generated from our Amazon links for the month of November will go to the Canadian Cancer Society. So we're hoping to raise a big chunk of cash for them. It's the first time we've done this, so I expect it. To, well, I hope it'll go well. I expect it will. And, um, just so, you know, there's been a couple of people that wanted to, that aren't Amazon people that wanted to send a few bucks our way for it. And that's already happened. So of course it wasn't in November, but I'm not going to, uh, you know, not include that money. That would be silly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, anything coming from Amazon for November, will go to the charity and it's going to be awesome. So. Make sure Amazon
1: has a lot of stuff you could buy. I mean, there you could buy books or you could buy buttons uh, or you could probably buy a
0: leisure suit. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to get a leisure suit on Amazon. Yeah, almost anything you want is there. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get, you know, free one day shipping or whatever it is. I don't remember right now, but there's no reason, no reason not to do it. So do your shopping at Amazon. But before you do that, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click through to your your country.
1: Oh baby, they have like lots of leisure suit selections. You could get like orange and like green and seafoam. Oh my god, I'm buying a leisure suit, 39 bucks. Jason's buying one right now. <laughs> Make sure oh, you use look our that link. collar. This is gorgeous. I didn't know
0: that they actually had leisure suits. Well, now you do. So one size fits all. This is great. <laughs> well, that's perfect. <laughs> you got you got you and I can share it in that case. Oh my God! It's, I'm so excited. All right, so do that, everyone. Thank you so much. I'll be reminding everyone throughout the month, uh, and then um, we will announce the total after the mid-season, uh, mid-season finale in December. Uh, also, <laughs> season eight. You okay over there? Yeah, yeah. Just I've you know
1: related link. Uh, the uh, the men's disco dirtbag wig and mustache Ooh. to go along with your leisure suit. So. I'm sad I didn't find this before. This would have been a perfect costume for today instead of the Captain Canuck costume that I'm wearing right now. What's I feel it? so stupid.
0: Well, okay. Well, you could have worn your leisure suit and dirty mustache to your son's doctor's appointment earlier today. Just go dirtbag. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> gorgeous,
1: gorgeous. All right, I better close that down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before you buy three, three outfits. I keep getting distracted, so that's no good. That's okay. Uh, One more thing. Season eight, record your favorite scene contest. If you're new to the podcast or don't know what that is, every year, more or less, we ask our listeners to pick a scene from The Walking Dead, record it on their phone or their computer, and send it to us. It can be a short scene. It can be a long scene. You can put your spin on it. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with your family or friends, and uh, no matter what. It's it, Send it into to us, and at the end of Season 8, we will choose our favorite for a great, big, awesome prize pack. And I am ready to announce the first two items that are in the prize pack for this year.
1: Nice, nice,
0: nice. The first one is a hardcover copy of the Here's Negan backstory. Oh, yeah. And the second one is a hardcover copy of The Walking Dead book 14. They have 14 hardcovers <sighs> now, and uh, 14... I think just came out. I think it's the most recent one and that'll be in there as well. So those two books, here's Negan and Walking Dead hardcover 14 are the first two items in the prize pack for this year, which will just grow over the next, uh, eight months or so while The Walking Dead is on.
1: That causes me anxiety because I'm like at book seven and (laughs) now I got to buy seven books and, uh, I got to find them on and I hate it when I get behind on shit like this.
0: Well, you got to get caught up, man. Get caught up. You got seven more books to get. You're only halfway there at this point. Yeah. So. All right. So record your favorite scene contest. Send your entries to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. With all that out of the way, we are actually here to talk about the most recent episode of the show. And that is season eight, episode number two. I got a few title reads for you here. The first one, it's only sort of a title read. But I'm going to play it anyways because, uh... I'll allow it. His name is Chris. His name is Jason. And my name is Maria. This is The Talking Dead. A podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. And we're here to discuss this week's episode. I have no fat fucking clue what the title is. Because they didn't say (laughs) it at the end of their last podcast. But either way, we're going to discuss it, and it's going to be awesome. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Lee from St. Catharines, and damned is your title read. <laughs> damned. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Maria. Thank you, Lee in St. Catharines, and Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Uh, Matt had a little help there from Lloyd and Harry from Dumb and Dumber. Nice. So the title is The Damned and, uh, it's season eight, episode number two. So the episode begins, Jason, this time with a slow montage of character faces. It seemed
1: like a promo to me.
0: (laughs) Maybe it was, maybe it was supposed to be a promo, but they decided to put it in the episode instead. Yeah. Well, it goes from Rick to Daryl. With uh, next coming Ezekiel, he's waking up in that smoke uh, grenade explosion that happened at the end of the first episode. We got Carol in the smoke as well. Then we go to Jesus, Tara, Morgan, and Aaron. And it's kind of slow fades. It's uh, intense music. And I think we're just sort of being shown these characters so we know where they are more or less and what their state is at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Because I think by the end, things have changed a little bit. Uh, but after the um, the montage of characters, we cut over to a group of saviors and they are out in some sort of courtyard outside a building. They're working on guns and doing other things. And Mara, one of the saviors, scolds another one of them, Todd, for kind of being flippant about things. That's the way I would describe it. And uh- yeah.
1: Oh, no, I was just, I was going to say, well, a couple of things. One, uh, she wouldn't let him talk, which I thought was funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, she took his uh, rifle from him and uh, didn't uh, didn't check it for safety before slinging it on her shoulder. Anytime anybody hands you a weapon, A, you assume it's loaded. B, you check it. You make sure that it's unloaded and safe so that you don't uh, accidentally hurt yourself or other people. She did none of that. That's just, you know, it's just
0: safety. Well, I mean, I know anytime I grab a rifle out of your hands, I check it for safety. Yeah. You,
1: you know, you check the
0: breach, you see if the, the loading mechanism is, uh, doesn't have any
1: rounds in it. You make sure the barrel is clear and that the safety is on. It's just, you know, common sense.
0: Well, not Mara. I guess she grabs that gun and she relieves Todd from his post and then sends him inside. And, uh, then she tries to get some other saviors on the walkie talkie, but little Roy J-Top Sorry, Little Roy or J-Top don't copy. Neither of them do. Bummer. But Todd finally does. (laughs) So is that Todd who's in, she just sent inside? I guess so. (laughs) Right? I mean, she's inside uh, and she tells him to lock the stairwell every floor. And she seems to know something is going down here. She's seems a little uncomfortable all of a sudden. And suddenly a team of Alexandrians drives up in the armored cars from last week and just open fire. Yeah. They just let loose. They just start shooting. And this is amongst other people, Aaron, Eric, Scott, Tobin, um, and a whole bunch of others. I'm going to call this team Aaron. Team, team Aaron. Um, so is it just
1: me or is the second you saw Eric, you knew he was going to die? Well, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's totally dead this episode.
0: Okay. Well, here's the thing. Eric had a part in last week's episode too, after not seeing him for, you know, most of last season, let's say. So yeah, you see Eric again and you're like, well, sorry, buddy. It was, it was too much of a hero shot. It was such a hero shot of him coming out of that, uh, that vehicle. I'm like, oh, he's totally dead. I know, I know. I had the same feeling. He's, he's there. We haven't seen him in forever. And now they're showing him to us in two episodes in a row. And he has big parts and hero shots. You just know he's probably doomed. And that's kind of a bummer because, you know, they bring a guy back and kill him off immediately.
1: And I'm just going to say this. The second thing I'm going to say here is I'm just going to say this as a one-time statement, blanket for the entire episode. Okay. Everybody has magic firearms that do not have any recoil whatsoever, none, not a single ounce of recoil. It was frustrating to look at, but I'm just going to move on. They seem to have an awful lot of ammunition too. They do. And when you open up, your the, the barrel goes up and your shoulder goes back and it's just, you know, you watch anything on YouTube, uh, you know, look up recoil and you'll, well, you'll see some dangerous people doing stupid things, but you'll also see what actual recoil is when you're firing a fully automatic weapon. doesn't matter what the caliber is. These people did not react to recoil at all. Nothing moved. They were magic firearms. Well, I'm just
0: going to move on. Maybe they just all have really, really powerful, strong arms and shoulders, and they can hold those guns steady.
1: Nope. Couldn't happen. You could bolt those things down, and they'd be moving more than that
0: Mm. if they were real. Okay. Well, blanket statement for the episode. We don't yep. need to bring it up again, probably, but that's right. I see your point. Yeah. So we go to the credits and we come back. We are back at the satellite station. And here we have, amongst other people, Morgan, Jesus, Tara, and Diane. And I'm going to call this team Tara because she features in a lot of it. And they're talking about how they're going to get into the building without the guards seeing. So, um, uh, and then, uh, two guys that Morgan is with ask if he needs help doing anything and they're kind of, you know, they go around with him for this episode and until, until they aren't anymore. Um, but he <laughs> says you know, it's okay because I don't die. And that's not the first time we've heard Morgan say that. He's decided that he doesn't die.
1: Yeah. I think that really could be true for every single person here, right? Because they're all alive and therefore you could make the assumption that they
0: don't die. Because you never die until you do. Until you do. Yeah, everyone does eventually. But Morgan seems to be, I don't know, he's got something going on. I believe and, him. And for now, for now, I believe him. Yeah, and we'll see how it goes. Then we go over to Carol, Ezekiel, and Jerry, again, with other folks, mostly from the kingdom. I'm going to call this team Carol, although it could be easily Team Ezekiel, because he's yep. a big part of it as well. And and part of me just wants to call it Team Jerry, because it's Jerry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good dude. And they are waking up in the aftermath of that smoke bomb explosion. There are walkers coming out of the buildings surrounding them. They fight back and kill them all with various weapons, including Jerry's big battle axe, which is fun. And uh, nobody is hurt. So that's good. And then Carol realizes that the smoke bomb guy, whose name is Nelson, apparently saw them and ran off. So they're concerned that he's run off toward a savior compound that they are on their way to, and he's going to warn them that they're coming. Right. So, you know, she says that if the saviors at the outpost know their plan, it won't work because they'll be aware of their presence. But Ezekiel stays positive and he tells one of his men to go back and bring the rest of their people, release Shiva, and then catch up with them. And, uh, he says that they'll, you know, go after their foe as he calls them and then on to certain victory. Of course. He's an extremely positive dude.
1: Well, you have to be because, you know, how else he supposed to, you know, lead your kingdom as the king.
0: hmm Yeah, absolutely. He needs to, he needs to just ooze that positive attitude all the time and make sure that his people see him doing that and, and, you know. Keep the, keep the troops rallied, basically.
1: Yeah. Morale is a very important part of uh, warfare. It's one of the biggest parts. It is. And yeah, and, and, a, and, and, an army marches on its stomach. You got to feed those some bitches because that's not only, you know, <laughs> necessary for them to live. Yeah. But, uh, it's also big on morale. Sure. So, uh,
0: yeah, you got to, you got to feed them regularly. If you don't eat for two days, you're not going to be in a good mood for fighting.
1: Yeah. And you know what I read the other day? Not oh. the other
0: day, probably like six months ago
1: or maybe three years ago. I have no idea. But I read this once that uh, in the 20th century was the first time that uh, armies going to war, more uh, soldiers died in battle than of disease or starvation.
0: Like on the way to the battle.
1: On the way to the battle.
0: Right. So
1: it's uh, it's very important to know that uh, nowadays uh, most soldiers die in battle.
0: Right. Rather than other ways. Well, you know, you are a smart man, Jason. And, uh, you know, I was at Walker StalkerCon on the weekend, which I am going to talk about at some point, maybe not this episode, but maybe when we do feedback uh, later in the week. Right. Uh, you know, but I, I met people that quoted you while we were there. Quoted me. Well, you know, I not a quote that you invented, but uh, I did have somebody come up to me and say, as Jason says, a plan never survives contact with the enemy.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, military adage. I Ma- definitely can't take credit for that.
0: No, of course not,
1: but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. good times. No, it's true. It's true. I I I have that uh very same philosophy for uh going live with a, with software. Uh, you can play it all you want. Something's gonna get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can go live with
0: this, but something's not
1: gonna work. <laughs> yeah, so you got a plan for your 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 knowns and your uh, known unknowns, but it's
0: those unknown unknowns that'll
1: get you every time.
0: Every so you got to at least
1: put in a contingency for to deal with the unknown unknowns.
0: Yeah, uh, you're you're right on target there. I'm gonna use that at work too, actually. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, okay, we go back to Team Aaron. Everybody's shooting. They're taking cover. They're just wildly firing all over the place. It looks like, and we see Francine. So we haven't seen Francine in a long time, and she yells to everyone that if they can keep the saviors pinned down in there long enough, they'll have bigger problems. And I'm stupid, and I didn't really realize what she meant at the time. But that's what I she said. I didn't ether. So good, good work,
1: us. <laughs> yeah, but luckily. Uh, everything became clear in the fullness of time. It did. It did, which we'll get to.
0: We go to Rick and Daryl, and this is going to be called Team Rick, or should we call it Team Dick? Dick? (laughs) For Daryl and Rick. The Dick Squad? All right, this will be the Dick Squad. (laughs) I don't know about that. We don't have to be crass. Team Rick is fine. Okay, Team Rick and Daryl. Uh, So we got lots of teams going on now, and the reason I'm naming them is just because it's easier because we jump back and forth between all these storylines. So Rick and Daryl, they have a few guys with them as well. They shoot a couple of savior guards at a door. They move into the building and then split up. And Daryl says that they're looking for guns. Yeah. You never split the party. Well, this party got split because I figured they, I think they figured they could search the building quicker. Yeah. That's a dumb idea. idea. I mean, if I've learned anything from D&D,
1: you never split the party. There's five of them, which is exactly the right size for a Dungeons and Dragons party. Uh, it's five players and one DM, six people, perfect number. Uh, and they split the party. I mean, has nobody played d d before? Maybe. They must have played d d Maybe these guys haven't. I don't know. I don't know. But... Uh yeah, because then all of a sudden you're uh you know, you're you're in a hallway with uh, a ranger and a thief and no cleric. And what the hell are you supposed to do without your cleric? Or your magic user is like off doing god knows what. And uh yeah, you just you run into situations you can't deal with because damn it, you need a cleric. Yeah. Stay. Yeah. Where is Father Gabe, by the way? Oh, he's stuck in the trailer. See what happens when you split the party? You get the cleric stuck in with the with the the malevolent bad guy. Mm-hmm. And uh And then who's the magic user?
0: Well, the magic user could be Carol.
1: (laughs) Could be Carol. Uh, She's more of a ranger, I think.
0: No. Anyway, we don't need to go down this road,
1: but they split the party and I think that's always a mistake.
0: Well, they did. They did split the party up and we never see those three guys again. The rest of the episode (laughs) focuses on Team Dick. Uh, But before any of that happens, we go back to Team Aaron. There's more frantic shooting and Mara who is the savior, that's her name, right? Yeah. She says that they need an opening. So they need to do something here because they're sort of pinned down in their little little, uh, savior area. Go over to team Tara and Morgan. He goes to the fence with the moat of walkers around the satellite station and he rattles it to draw them all over. Mm -hmm. This attracts the attention of the two savior guards that they need to take out quietly because they're trying to get into the building. And as those guards approach, Diane takes them both out with arrows, two rapid arrow shots through those guys' heads. So I
1: I did want to make a point about this. So she said, uh, when, uh, Morgan was talking to her about this, she said, Diane, we need to take both of them out. Uh, they can't make a gunshot. If they can't have a gunshot, as soon as they get a shot off, we're done. Right. So we have to get them all out. And she says, well, no problem. I just need a couple of seconds. So that's what Morgan was doing was rattling the fence to get them closer and gave her a couple of seconds to do this. Exactly. She fired two shots of that bow in less than half a second. I timed it. I went through and figured out exactly, not exactly, but uh, it was less than half a second. Like it wasn't even, it was boom, boom. And it was, uh, can you imagine seeing someone draw, aim, and fire a bow twice in half a second. It'd be hard to do that with a firearm, let I, alone yeah. a bow. This is Legolas-level accuracy and skill with this bow. She must have drawn both of those arrows at the exact same time. But when she fired them, one came a half a second later, so she must have sent that second one up around a tree and then back down so that it took a little bit longer to get there. Uh, so... The skill level that Diane has with this
0: bow is, uh, is scary. It's it, scary. It truly is. But let me ask you this. Is it possible that there was a second bow shooter? There uh, were two of them. Yeah, the possibility exists,
1: but the probability does not. But we did not see that. We did not see that. That was not indicated in this episode at all. It was all on Diane to do that. She said, no problem. I need a couple of seconds. What she meant was I need half a second uh, to fire two shots at the same time, but sending one around a tree, uh, you know, or maybe she fired that second one all the way around the earth, and it's so fast <laughs> that it came back around a half a second later. She has some skills. She obviously she, has some skills. Yeah. So well, she magic bows, magic firearms. I knew I wouldn't. I would bring that up again. I'm sorry, but it it just
0: it seemed a little far fetched. It was just like thunk funk.
1: Bunk. Well, it did so look quick.
0: pretty impressive, though. It was very impressive, so. Well, those guys are dead, and, uh, you know, all the zombies are gathering at the fence right in front of Morgan, and he kind of pauses to stare into their eyes for a few seconds, I think, because he knows, after all, he can't die.
1: Well, he can't die, and, uh, you know, he's he's not the most psychologically stable individual. No, no, he is. So maybe he's slipping a little bit, and he's like, you know, I really ought to clear you bastards. Oh, yeah.
0: They're right there, Morgan.
1: <laughs> right there.
0: You He know? doesn't have a sharpened stick this time though. No, because he left it against the tree outside. Did you notice that? I did not. Yeah, he did. I, I Honestly, I don't remember if it's, it's, it's around this time in the episode, he leaves it leaning against the tree. So he did not take his stick with him, which I thought was interesting. Huh. Well, Tara, Jesus, and the team enter the building. They immediately kill some saviors, well, all the ones they encounter with silenced firearms mm-hmm. and magically
1: silenced firearms that make actually no noise whatsoever
0: well come on you hear the like don't don't noise yeah that, that firearms Look on
1: YouTube done silenced or suppressed weapons they're still very loud they're instead of being extremely loud they're just very loud
0: okay well not in TV land from what I know no, of course not From TV what I know like, exactly like for, or, or, oh, or in you movies do that well that's that anyway. seems to be the noise they make so I totally bought it <laughs> uh they kill them they signal the rest of the group to come inside and there's a whole bunch of them so they got lots of people there the team kind of fans out into the building and tara notices the words tommy says kill the bitches written on the wall above a door i guess someone wants to kill the bitches um and they strategically move through the building and they set themselves up outside doors that have saviors in the rooms behind the doors And, um, one of the guys that Morgan is with, two guys he was with outside, is really shaking pretty badly. He seems really nervous about what's about to happen.
1: Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it nerves. It's adrenaline. Adrenaline makes you shake sometimes.
0: Well, okay. I guess so. But I got the feeling he was just nervous. Like he maybe doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. He's afraid and he's, he's shaking a lot. Yeah. But either way. Yeah. I just
1: assumed it was adrenaline.
0: All right. We go back to team Rick and Rick, he's exploring the building by himself and he pulls out a piece of paper and he checks it and it has a bunch of stuff written on it. And I wrote down as much as I could. It said the heavy guns, 50 Cal Browning are kept at Shepherd office plaza. So I guess that's where they are looking for these heavy weapons. No upper lockouts, roof damage, floors, empty during days, I think was what that said. I, the word empty was a little hard to read. It says access stairway, elevator shaft, 20 plus vehicle. So maybe there's 20 plus vehicles there. And obviously, or the edge of the vehicle, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, 20 plus vehicle. Uh, Expansion, outpost, then trainees, all in caps. So possibly um, not so experienced saviors. Uh, exposed, I couldn't really read that. Dead will come, it says. And of course in the middle, there's some kind of map drawn, which is really just a shape that didn't really look like it meant anything.
1: Yeah. It looks like there's a, uh, it might've been a road and the shape is a building. Like who gives a shit about that? Yeah.
0: Hard, hard to tell really, but that's pretty much what it said. So they're there looking for heavy weapons. Um, and the floors are empty maybe during the days and when they're not empty, they're full of trainees and so... Uh, that's that. Daryl comes up and startles him while he's reading this paper and they agree that the guns must be hidden upstairs because they're not on this floor. So they try to kick in a door to the stairwell is what I got from that. Yeah. Uh, anything else about that scene? Uh, no. Or, or the map? I just,
1: I'm not sure that they checked to see if the door was open, but you know, whatever. Well, in. he tried to kick it in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We cut over to Team Aaron. They're still shooting. There's lots of dead saviors around. Mara is hiding behind a car. That
1: shot was really well done. Which one? Uh, Did you notice it? As soon as they cut back, it was just a very panning shot past uh, uh, our... Uh, Team Aaron, and then over the, uh, the, you know, demilitarized zone or the, you know, the, uh, the killing field and then past the truck and then over to what's her name. Uh, it was just, it was really well done. I thought the, uh, there's bullets flying everywhere and, uh, the special effects and practical effects were merged really, really nicely for this shot.
0: Cool. So you're saying the camera just kind of swung from one side over to the other side and right up yeah. to Tara or Mara, uh, Mara hiding there, Mara? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I didn't notice, but that is awesome. So she's hiding and she decides that they're going to try and push them back because she thinks the Alexandrians are too chicken shit to push in, but she doesn't realize what their plan is yet.
1: Yeah. Their plan is the same as the, uh, the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. Okay. What's that?
0: Oh, uh. Wait, 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 maybe we shouldn't spoil Game of Thrones. Probably not.
1: Well, I mean, I've already done it because- you know, if we know what the plan is for this show, and it's the same for Game of Thrones at some point.
0: Way to go, genius. Let's just not... <laughs> let's
1: well, just... it's like two seasons ago that uh, that I'm spoiling. So, you know, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, frigging get off your ass and watch Game of Thrones. Everyone should be watching or Game of Thrones. get on your ass, because it's a TV show. It's not really a lot of action involved. It's more passive. So, you know, get on the couch, get a remote, <laughs> get a TV, get HBO, watch it.
0: Got it. Good plan. Well, Scott, remember Scott, the Alexandrian mm. Scott? Yeah. He notices that some of the saviors are coming from the right. And Aaron says that they just have to keep them pinned in and the situation will take care of itself. Uh, now we cut back and forth between Team Aaron and Team Terra rather quickly here a little bit. Um, you know, Team Aaron, there's still lots of shooting. Aaron tells Tobin to move in. Then Eric pushes forward as they attempt to cover each other. Back to Team Terra, they all signal each other with their arms raised, so they're in, the, they're in the building, they're outside these doors, they wait for the right moment, and Jesus lowers his arm to signal their attack. They bust through the doors, and mostly all the saviors inside these rooms are shot and killed, but Morgan's door opens, and there's one guy right there who they shoot, but there's five or six of them in there, and they shoot back, and Morgan, they shoot back at Morgan and the two guys that he's with, whose name names are Freddie and Andy, apparently. Nice. So Morgan and these two guys get shot down and they go down, you know, in the hall. Um, but we don't see what happens to them quite yet.
1: No, and this uh, I like really like the uh, the strategy they used like move in and then everybody get to their uh, their assigned positions and then wait for the signal to continue on the next phase of the plan. This was uh, there was a video game Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, the first Rainbow Six. Yep, was very much like this. It was a tactical planning game, not just a tactical action like the rest of the Rainbow Six franchise. But uh, you actually could set up checkpoints. Where uh, all your SWAT teams would would move in and get to those checkpoints and then hold at their checkpoints for the next round of like for a signal and then they would all move to their next checkpoint. Yeah. So uh, it was all coordinated and really nicely done. So the uh, the level of uh, of planning that they did here was uh, was really nice to see.
0: Yeah, totally. What, one thing I sort of did appreciate about most of this, at least with team Aaron and team Tara is that they were doing different things. They were in different locations, but they were both executing a plan. Um, yeah. you know, team, uh, Aaron just involved shooting enough saviors and keeping them pinned in there until the dead people started coming back and then they would attack each other. Um, and with team Tara, They were, you're right. They were strategically moving through the building. If they'd just gone in and started shooting people as they came to them, it would just alert everyone else in the building to their presence and then they'd be ready to fight back. So you're right. It was a, it was a really good, uh, good plan they had, I guess, uh, until Morgan opens the door and he gets shot down with, uh, Freddie and Andy.
1: Well, you know, casualties are expected in any real, you know
0: where bullets are flying
1: everywhere. You know, you you have to expect some level of casualties.
0: Absolutely. Someone's going to get shot. Uh, yeah. and let's be honest, likely more people will get, would have gotten shot than did in this episode.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, what, you know we, everybody has, not everybody, but a lot of people have hero shields, right? They
0: sure do. Plot Except shields. when they
1: have uh hero targets painted on them. It's hard to tell between the difference between a hero shield and a hero target. You know, we had Eric has a hero target, but Morgan has
0: a hero shield. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Un- until you see them get shot and find out what their fate is. Right. Go over to team Rick and him and Daryl climb up the elevator shaft to the top floor. So maybe they were kicking in elevator doors. It didn't look like it. It looked like a normal door. No, it
1: was a normal
0: door. So I guess Man, they- I,
1: I couldn't climb an elevator
0: shaft. No, but Holy this shit. is- shit. This is Daryl Dixon and Rick Grimes, dude. They can climb an elevator shaft.
1: No, I know that, and I wish I was in as good a shape as anybody on this show, especially Lenny James. Like, it's going to come up a little bit later, but Jesus Christ, when when I'm as old as Lenny James, if I was as agile as that guy, yeah. I'd be happy.
0: I got a photo with uh, Lenny James on the weekend. <sighs> you got and to meet him? I did. I got to meet him, shake his hand. he's oh, so lucky. I know. He's a super nice guy. <laughs> I've liked Lenny James for a lot of years, long
1: before The Walking Dead were, 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 came on the air.
0: Well- He's uh he's nice. I I walked up to him and it's a photo op, so it's in and out as fast as possible. Um, but you know he's such a nice guy. You walk up, he shakes your hand. He says, "Tell me your name, please," so he can say, "Hi, Chris. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming," and uh and I say, "It's great to meet you too." And then you turn around, take a photo, and say thanks, and you're out the door. So <laughs>
1: get the hell out of there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They got to move people Good. through. Good work. Yeah, um, anyhow, what happens? Uh, where are we? Where are we? So they climb up the elevator shaft and they can hear gunfire in the distance, but Rick mentions, uh, but they're up there on the floor and Rick mentions to Daryl that everything that Dwight has passed to them has checked out. So obviously Dwight sent them this information and they're going to look for these weapons that they're going to need. And now they split up again. So (sighs) they split the party. Again. Again, yeah. It's like
1: shuffling the deck. You just keep shuffling the deck. You, you're supposed to keep, you know, specific cards together. Uh, you know, if you're doing a false shuffle, if you're trying to cheat at cards, you don't just, sh- you know, shuffle. You take control of the situation and you make sure that everything is where you need it to be. But now they just keep frigging throwing cards left and right. Everybody's all over the place willy-nilly. It's like, God damn it. Stay together. You can
0: help each other instead of searching faster, jerks. Yeah, well, no, they choose to search faster for these guns. But back to Team Tara, and Tara and Jesus find a guy whose name is Dean hiding in a closet, and he's peed himself. Bummer. Yeah, so he sort of begs for his life. He says, you know, I'm not one of them. He's just a worker, and Jesus won't let Tara kill this guy because he's basically surrendering to them. Now, out in the hall, the rest of the team is shooting uh, with the Saviors, um, but uh, Dean asks Tara and Jesus if the people if they killed the people at the sanctuary already. Jesus still won't let Tara kill him, and she notices Maggie's prenatal pills on the ground. So that just kind of reminds her, you know, that the Saviors took all their stuff, and that uh, she really wants to kill this dude because he's one of them, and that's what they're here to do now a gunshot comes through the door and distracts them for a second. And Dean uses this opportunity to grab Jesus and put a gun to his head. That's never a good idea. Dean was all talk and no, never a good idea to put a gun at Jesus's head. No, you don't threaten Jesus. No, you don't. Uh, he stomps on the pills that are on the ground and he taunts Tara about ruining them. So he's really not that nice a guy. And Dean says things like he's going to walk out of there with them and escape. And he goes on about not being a tough guy. And then he decides to point the gun at Tara instead of keeping it on the head of Jesus. And, of course, Jesus uses this opportunity to elbow him, knock him down, and take his gun, which he now points at Dean, who is on the ground. Right. So uh, here we are. Dean kind of taunts Jesus a little bit about not killing him. And Tara gets back up and... Instead of either of them shooting Dean, Jesus cold cocks him with the handle of the firearm and then hog ties him.
1: Yeah. Cause that, that won't be a problem later.
0: No. What could possibly go wrong with that? So Tara continually questions Jesus, you know, why he's letting this guy live and says that, um, you know, this is just not the right thing to do. We are here to kill these people. And I don't know what you're doing. And, uh, They talk about Rick and Maggie and sort of how, you know, Jesus or Maggie will listen to Jesus and she'll see his side of things. Um, But at that point, Diane calls them from the hall and she mentions that the saviors are falling back and Jesus says he can find another way out of the building. Good. So should they have killed the dude? Do you think? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, what didn't really work for me in this scene is two things. Number one, Up until this point in the episode, they have, you know, shot and killed everybody they've come into contact with without a second thought. And now they find a guy. To be fair, he was surrendering, kind of had his hands up. He played the part that, you know, he was not really involved in this. He was just there to cook and clean. Um, But they find this guy and then they decide that they're not going to kill him, or at least Jesus does. And then. Even after he turns on them and threatens them, they still don't do it. Or again, Jesus still won't do it. So the guy surrendered, I can sort of understand that. When he unsurrenders, for lack of a better term, why doesn't Jesus change his mind?
1: Well, I mean, it has to do with uh, being unarmed. He's an unarmed combatant and... uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily just murder people, right? And everybody else has been, uh, you know, trying to kill them with a firearm or what have you. So you, uh, you take care of them. But this guy was just, he was surrendering. And then at the end he was a prisoner. I would say like, even though he was, you know, uh, forcibly confined, but he was under their control again. So, uh, you shouldn't necessarily murder People in that situation.
0: Well, listen, I agree with the fact that you shouldn't necessarily murder people, but they had they had murdered a lot of people already coming into this building. And yeah,
1: I mean, if there was if this was a real war with a real uh, army, uh, they would have a mechanism for prisoners of war, right? Mm-hmm. You take control of somebody, you they become a prisoner of war. They have certain rights and responsibilities, uh, and you hand them off to people that can. Uh, you know, the frontline soldiers will hand them off to people to take them to a POW camp of some kind to, uh, keep them under wraps until the war is over. Right. You don't want to kill them. You don't right. want to let them go, but you don't want to let them be, uh, you know, go back and be a soldier that can be dangerous later. So you have to, you know, make them a, a POW to, to hold them until the war is over. They don't have that option here. They don't have a, a POW camp somewhere, uh, to hold prisoners of war. So they can't take prisoners. So what happens in that situation? If you can't take prisoners, do you just outright murder everybody or do you, well, I'm not sure what the, the option is. Do you tie them to a tree and hope for the best?
0: Well, we'll get to it, but that's kind of where this episode, where this portion of the episode goes. Um, but I just, I just, I wish there was something there earlier on in the episode to tell us that Jesus might be not quite on board with the the willy-nilly mass murder of everybody here. A comment or something to to remind us that, you know, he might be like, we're here to take this place. Yes, we're going to kill people if we have to. We're going to defend ourselves. But as soon as there's someone whose hands go in the air and he's unarmed, we're not going to kill them. We are going to disable them somehow, maybe, right? But th- yeah, I, I well, they should
1: don't... have discussed uh, discussed uh, their um, what's the term I'm looking for? It is the terms of engagement, right? Uh, so you know, uh, at what point, you know, do we? Uh, it, it covers things like, do we fire if they have a firearm? Yes or no. Do we fire if they're pointing their firearms at us? Do they f- do they have to sh- actually shoot at us first yeah. before we can fire back? So, and then what do we do with people that are unarmed and are surrendering? Uh, you know, they should have, they should have discussed this well, totally as a, as a group. I'm not surprised
0: they haven't, frankly. I mean, these aren't military people, really, um, even though this is a war, but I just wish there was something if even if like Jesus had tried to speak up at one point and everyone ignored him. I mean, it would have been something, you know, just to, so we get his mindset a little bit because I feel like it came out of nowhere after the way they, they shot their way into the building. Um, So it kind of bothered me a little bit. And frankly, I can see Tara's side of things saying, you know, these people are the enemy. They've killed us. They took all our stuff and we're trying to take them out and make the world a better place. Um, and of course she's mad because the saviors are the ones who killed, uh, Diane, Diane. No, um, Dr. Denise, Denise. Yeah. Right. And, and that was Dwight. So, you know, Dwight is coming over to our side. So I, there better be a scene coming up where Tara really has to deal with Dwight joining the Alexandrians, assuming he does at some point. But he was aiming at Daryl. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Daryl made a comment earlier that, you know, Dwight's an asshole and Tara feels the same way. I just, I just think if Tara's going to be this adamant about killing this unarmed dude, she better be the same way when it comes to Dwight.
1: Yeah. She's not just going to forgive and forget.
0: No, that's right. And I know we've already seen that a little bit when Dwight was in that cell, you know, but- I just don't think it goes away that fast. So I'm just trying to say the show can't have it both ways. She can't be super mad at a stranger who's peed his pants and he's unarmed in a closet, even though, you know, he attacked uh, them before he attacked them. She didn't know that was going to happen, but she can't be super mad at that guy. And then like forgive Dwight right away. So, right. I hope it plays out like that. Anyhow, we go to Morgan. Morgan. He's on the floor with Freddy and Andy. Now, at least one of those guys, I think it's Freddy, isn't dead, but they're both mortally wounded. Um, Morgan is down, lying there, eyes closed, not moving. Camera pans in a little bit, suddenly opens his eyes and he slowly sits up and uh, then he gets up and he grabs a weapon and walks away, leaving his two friends lying there on the ground to die. Yeah, he could have at least shot them in the head. He could have. Um, I didn't realize the first time I watched it that the dude right beside him was still alive, but he blinks and you can see his neck moving. And so he's not dead yet.
1: Well, was it, was it the actor that was, you know, alive, playing dead badly? Or was the character still alive and Lenny James didn't give a
0: shit? Frankly, I don't know. I didn't notice it the first time I watched because I was focusing on Morgan. And maybe that's what they're counting on people to do. But the fact is that other actor blinks and you can basically see his heart beating in the veins in his neck or whatever's going on there. They would have fixed that in post. If they were able to, uh, have Shiva a little bit later, uh, look so good, they could have fixed his twitching neck. Well, I, I guess you think so, but maybe a neck twitch isn't, isn't. Uh, isn't easy to fix. I don't know. Probably is these days, but I'm not sure. I am not sure what this means, whether Morgan left those guys there alive, or at least that one, or if we're just supposed to be like, yeah, he's dead. So Morgan walked away. I don't know.
1: I, I vote for alive and Morgan didn't give a shit.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think you might be onto something there. Uh, we go back to team Aaron though, and Tobin gets grazed. So he got shot in the arm, but he's okay. Plenty of shooting going on still. And Mara realizes that they don't need to push in because the saviors they killed are starting to come back. And as she realizes this, she's looking the other way and a zombie sneaks up on her and chews her neck out.
1: Sneaks up. She's an idiot. She's an idiot of the third order. Like she's just, uh, anyway, she didn't even defend herself. In
0: my opinion, she's she's like, oh my God, zombies. She kind of put her hand on them and it was totally ineffective.
1: please Please don't bite me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I said, please.
0: (laughs) Oh, come on. Well, she's dead. And we go over to team Carol and they're in the forest. They kill an especially nasty looking zombie. Carol's worried that if the guy they're following made it to the compound, they're going to be ready for them. Same thing they worried about before, but Ezekiel, he's still Mr. Positive. He's not worried at all. He gives Carol a speech about, uh, just projecting extreme confidence because that's what he's been doing and he goes with the phrase, fake it till you make it, baby. Yep. That's uh very, he must be a recovering alcoholic of some kind. Don't oh, you think?
1: It's one of the, it's uh, part of the program. You fake it till you make it.
0: Okay. Well, that was the, like the real Ezekiel coming through a little bit, right? You know, he, Carol is the one he opened up to about why he yeah. acts like the king. And I think that was real Ezekiel coming through a bit again. Fake it till you make it. Did you notice the signal that, uh, that-
1: did They put on the ground a golf ball with a golf tee pointed in the right direction they were going.
0: Oh, I didn't even realize that's what that was. But yeah, yeah, they're pointing in the direction because they said they'd leave a trail.
1: Yeah, and that's the trail: golf balls and golf tees. It's as good as breadcrumbs, actually, probably better.
0: Probably better. Very few birds eat golf balls. Yeah, maybe a, the odd pelican, but that's it. Ooh, pelicans! I didn't think about that. <laughs> pelicans, my favorite bird. I love them. Is
1: it? Yeah. I was, uh, we, I was in a band once that uh, was damn close to naming ourselves Pelican. That's not a bad name. No, it is not a bad name. We, that's why it was, uh, it was damn close. What'd you go with instead? sugar spun sister. I wasn't my fucking choice. Believe me.
0: (laughs) Pelican's better.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
0: Now, Daniel, good old Daniel from the kingdom notices some blood and they realize that the guy they're following is wounded. So he must be moving slow and that's a good thing for them. We go back to team Rick, uh, Daryl busts through a door. He slowly moves through a room. He goes through another door and he finds an old sandwich and some bloody handcuffs, uh, on a pipe. And this reminded me of when Merle way back in season one, I guess was handcuffed to the roof. Remember And T-Dog lost the key.
1: I do. They didn't even give him a sandwich.
0: No, I don't think so. But, uh, there was some bloody handcuffs hanging there. So I feel like Daryl might be a little traumatized looking at that because he's projecting back to when his brother was handcuffed on a roof.
1: Yeah. He's pissed off because they didn't even give his brother, poor Merle didn't even get a sandwich out of the deal. No,
0: he didn't. Um, we go over to Rick though, and he slowly comes down a long hall in the dark. That's a shot we saw in the San Diego Comic-Con trailer, if you remember.
1: Yep. Looking awesome.
0: Yeah. Looking very cool. Swinging that gun around at every door he comes to. Uh, two and he gets to the end of the hall. Then he, we cut and he comes through another door, checks the place out and he finds a rather well-made bedroom. Mm-hmm. So it looks like someone has been living comfortably here. He checks another door. And when his back is turned, a guy runs up behind him and jumps him. They fight rather viciously on the floor, people poking each other's eyes, things like that. Uh, but Rick gets the better of him and he manages to start strangling the guy. And then they smash backwards into a shelf on the wall, which explodes. Rick asks the guy where the M2s are. And the guy says, no guns. So he either means there are no guns here, or I'm not going to tell you where the guns are here.
1: It's ambiguous. i uh, you know, if I was Rick, I'd say, please clarify your answer.
0: Yeah. I, I, that doesn't really help me at all. So I need to have a little <laughs> bit more information, please. Yeah. Uh, there's more struggling and Rick eventually impales the guy on the shelf bracket, which is still sticking out of the wall.
1: Did that strike you as Chekhov's shelf bracket?
0: No, I did. not. As soon as
1: I saw it, I'm like, oh, somebody's going to get impaled. Really? It's not going to be Rick, but somebody, (laughs) one of these, all these guys that are fighting here, somebody's going to get impaled on one of these brackets.
0: Yeah. It's going to be one of these guys and it's not going to be Rick. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well he's impaled.
1: Uh, And again, right through the sternum. And then through the spine on a shelf bracket. Well. Good
0: work. That's a, I find that slightly more realistic than Morgan's staff.
1: Than a, then a pointy stick? Slightly, but still, you know, off to one side that would have slid between the ribs nicely mm-hmm. as just coming right out of his spine, dead center, having gone through his sternum. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so.
0: Okay. Well, it's, 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 maybe they sharpen their shelf brackets just for that purpose in this compound. Or they've swapped out their spines and sternum for papier-mâché. Could be that. could be that, too. We cut back to Team Morgan, who is now a one-man team. So he's not really on Team Terra anymore, I don't think. He's making his way through the building, satellite station, just shooting saviors. And it's like he's in some kind of trance, because he is just walking through, not taking cover. He's not being careful. He's just walking and killing. Yeah. You remember playing Halo when Halo first
1: came out and you just you got on a run where you just were just a killing machine. You didn't have to go back, you didn't have to do anything. You're just like shooting the, the bad guys, what are they called together? There was two different groups of bad guys. There was there was uh, the Covenant or something. Covenant and, and the Zerg. Zerg? I don't I don't so remember. Some other. Anyway, I just it gave me a feeling of uh when you get in the zone in a video game where you're just like, Oh man, I'm a machine, I can't be killed and uh yeah, you just take, it's, it's a really good run. Yeah. Well. It's uh it's like winning at uh, at Pac Man, getting to that last screen that's really fucked up and only sort of half a screen because the you know the Pac-Man game is run out of memory and you gotta just kinda know where you're going, but you're in the zone and you're doing awesome. It's uh yeah. <laughs> Every- it
0: was uh, very video gamey. Everybody's that had way. that winning Pac Man experience, haven't they? <laughs> I assume I so I assume so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've uh, I've successfully personally I've successfully completed uh, on an actual Pac-Man game way back in the 80s putting in quarters. I have successfully completed one whole screen. I was very proud of myself to get to the second level. Congratulations,
0: sir! Yeah, was, I've at uh, least it was quite the red letter day in uh, in in the Miles household. That's quite something. I've I've successfully completed probably three or four.
1: Oh, good boy. I know. That's much better at Galaga.
0: Oh, Galaga was a good game too. Well, Morgan is the friggin' Terminator or he's on a video game roll or something because he is just, just walking through there, killing guys left and right. And while he's doing this, he's flashing back to a conversation he had with Rick at Alexandria. And it came from season six, episode 12, I think called Not Tomorrow Yet. And they're talking about beating the saviors and basically Rick is confident that they can do it. Now, Team Terra, they are now outside because Morgan led them outside. And Jesus says that they're going to open this big garage door, but not to fire when they open the door because the saviors are going to surrender. So then a savior, his name is Dylan, opens opens the door and does, in fact, surrender. He says, living sounds good. Um, A bunch more saviors behind him also surrender. There's at least a dozen or so in there because Dylan tells them to. And, uh, Tara now says to Jesus that Maggie may listen to him, referring back to their conversation earlier, but Rick will listen to her. And she says that Rick is not basically saying that Rick's not going to be happy that we let these people live because, you know, we were here to do a job and that was to take them all out. Right. Team Morgan, he's still walking and killing. He gets eventually to the door. And the garage door where they all are. And he's blinded by the bright sunlight. And he remembers Rick saying, we can't leave them alive. So that's kind of reinforcing how Rick's going to react to this. And he hears himself say, where there's life, there's possibility. So he's kind of, you know, having a crisis in his mind here of what he's doing and what he should be doing. Now, Morgan comes outside and he sees Jared and he is about to shoot him, but Jesus stops him. And Morgan says they're supposed to kill them. And Jesus reminds him that he surrendered and it's not what we do. So again, I just wish there was a little bit more indication for Jesus's character in this episode that he might be willing to take prisoners rather than kill everybody. Can't you just get that from his namesake? I mean, what would Jesus do? Jesus wouldn't murder everybody uh, that surrendered. That's, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, not necessarily because of his name, but because of the way he's been throughout the season or throughout the show since he's been introduced. I do think there is something to that. And I, I do believe that he's not really the kind of guy that would kill them all. I just wish then in that case, maybe they hadn't shown him killing people. (laughs) So, you know, right at the beginning, you know, I just, that's all. If if maybe someone else had gone in and shot at those two guys at the beginning instead of him and Tara, then it might have worked a little better. But it's it's not a big thing. It just bothered me a little bit.
1: I've not read the whole Bible. I've read parts of it here and there. But as far as I know, uh, Jesus, the Jesus from the Bible didn't murder anybody, like not even one person. Right. Well. With that As far as I know. Right? So, you know, having uh, this Jesus murder or kill s- somebody uh, means that the dividing line between that Jesus and this Jesus uh, has moved somewhat. Like, you know, he, this Jesus has different standards mm-hmm. than
0: the, the Bible. Bible Jesus? Bible Jesus. Christ Jesus? Right. Well, I'm sure someone will write in to school you and it, or educate you. On... If If Jesus, you know, the Christ did murder somebody, I want to know about it. Just let me know. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm sure. Otherwise, uh, don't write it. (laughs) No, please do. (laughs) It all comes to me anyways, and I have to tell Jason what happens. Right. Uh, All right. So we go back to Rick and he takes some keys off the dead guy that he fought. He enters a room with animals painted on the walls and oh boy, he finds a living baby asleep in a crib. Actual living baby asleep, who wasn't woken up by all the commotion outside, but whatever. Um, Some babies can sleep through anything, but this is a living baby, and I think there's a really good chance that Rick just killed this baby's father.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's too bad. It is. I mean, who the hell... Obviously, this guy doesn't know about anything about babies, uh, because that baby was less than a year old, right? I assume. Well... Look, maybe get less than a year old. There's a blanket, there's a pillow, there's stuffed animals. Uh, that crib is a death trap for that baby. Poss- Come on, man.
0: Possibly, but I think maybe you're focusing on the wrong thing here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rick just kills a dude, finds a baby who is now potentially fatherless, and Rick is clearly emotionally affected by this. And yeah, I think you could see some regret on his face for what he's been doing this episode and just what they're doing in general. Um, And then he sees himself in a mirror, and I got the impression he was really disgusted with himself in that moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really sad that, uh, unfortunately, this baby now doesn't have any parents and is just going to be abandoned to die. Uh, I assume, you know, do you think Rick will do anything about that or just leave the baby? No,
0: there, there, there's no way they're leaving the baby, Jason. I mean, (laughs) you've said a million times that there is no way they were, are ever going to kill a baby on this show. Leaving that baby is just as bad.
1: You think they would, you don't think that they would chicken a bucket that baby? Uh, what? They would what? A bucket? (laughs) Chicken a bucket. You've listened to Film Sack, right?
0: Oh, not for years.
1: Uh, the term "chick in the bucket," like uh, you remember the movie Wild Wild West. Yeah. Right at the beginning, Will Smith is in this big water uh, tank, uh, treating it like a hot tub with this uh, this hot chick. Okay. And then Will Smith leaves and the hot chick is just left in the bucket. So Film Sack used this term as a character or person in the movie or TV show that is just forgotten about. They're in a situation, and they're just like never heard from again. So that's where I I use the phrase, "chicken the bucket, this baby, uh, where they just like, Rick walks away, and then we never know what happened to the baby. You don't think
0: they'll do that? No, I don't think they'll do that. I think that baby is going to move back to Alexandria or one of the communities at some point. Film uh,
1: Sack's still good. You should li- go back to listening to it.
0: Okay. I haven't listened. I have so many podcasts, man. I can't keep up with all the ones I have, but maybe, maybe I will. I do selections. I I don't, if I don't know anything about the movie, I just forget about it. Cause I know I don't watch
1: the movie uh, in the same way that they expect their listeners to watch the movie and right. then listen to Film Sack. Right. I don't do that. So if I don't know the movie very well, I just skip that episode.
0: Okay. Well, fair enough. Maybe I'll try that for a while. Uh, but Rick, I think is just disgusted with himself and I thought it was, really, really great that we we do for a moment feel that regret that I think the character is feeling too. So yeah. I think that was important. Uh, team Carol, back with them in the forest, they find some more blood and they realize that they have basically caught up with the guy. The rest of their team arrives and Shiva comes running out of the forest and pounces on him and eats that dude right up. That was awesome. I mean,
1: Shiva looked great. It sounded
0: like she was Crunching
1: bone, yeah, it you, was uh, it was quite the thing. You're talking about the long shot, right, where we see her
0: pounce the guy and then chew him oh,
1: up. Oh, and when the close up shot where she's got his mouth around his like upper chest area, and you can see it and you can hear that crunch, crunch, crunch of her <laughs> uh, chewing on uh, various ribs and things. It was. Uh, I thought it was really
0: well done. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. They must've put the laser pointer right on that guy. Cause she knew who to, who to go after.
1: Yeah. She's, uh, she's obviously, uh, psychically linked
0: to somebody. Somebody. Team Aaron, they are still shooting back and forth and Francine gets shot. I'm not sure if she's dead though. Do you think Francine is dead? It's hard to tell. Uh. I don't know. She does get shot and fall back. It's hard to tell. Nobody has any. There's no real consequences in this show right now.
1: So the fact that Morgan gets shot, big deal. Well, uh, Mor- and then Eric in a second. Yeah. Morgan might was, be a big deal. Morgan was wearing body armor, though. So. Oh, come on. He was wearing bits of plastic strapped together with like electrical wire.
0: Well, I'm just saying. Like if I got. If I was wearing uh hockey shoulder pads and i got shot in the shoulder i'm not saying they would protect me but it might ricochet it might help a little bit
1: maybe there's a difference between impact armor and ballistic armor uh the riot armor that uh people or the you know law enforcement wears in prisons to go into cells when they're going into that cell the impact armor is meant to stop bashing Basically, blunt force trauma. It's not meant to stop bullets, right? Because there's a very slim chance that uh, an uh, an inmate will have an actual firearm. Might have a knife, mm-hmm. which is a little more dangerous. But uh, you know, wearing hockey pads, there's not a chance in hell it's stopping a bullet. I'm not saying that. I mean, it's it's got as much chance of stopping a bullet as a two by four or <laughs> yeah, a bat, right? Let's say, except that that bat <laughs> stopped that bullet. <laughs> That's a magic bat. Sure. Uh, It's this magic sentient bat. But yes, so, uh, you know, he was... Morgan was wearing light impact armor. It might have stopped a baseball bat a little bit. Like if it hit right in the right spot, it might have been like, ow, that really hurt instead of shit that broke a whole
0: bunch of stuff. Fine. You're forgetting about his plot armor, though, and that stops a lot of things.
1: Yes, it is. But I'm just... I'm saying that uh, it's hard to tell when someone gets injured or shot or, uh, looks like they die in this show, it's hard to tell if uh, it's actually happening because, uh, it, the show no longer has any real consequences at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that'll change, but,
0: uh, they might come back. I have trust issues. Anyways, all I wanted to know is if, if Francine was dead, I'm not sure. She gets shot and falls back and we don't know for sure. Uh, Eric, he's of course upset at this and he takes some cover. Aaron uses one of the cars to back over some saviors who have advanced on them. And then he gets out and goes to Eric and it turns out Eric is shot in the abdomen and is bleeding. And, uh, Aaron tries to put pressure on the wound and walk him to safety. Now I didn't see Aaron get shot. Did you see him get shot? Nope. There was no indication that he was shot whatsoever. Until he just started bleeding. So. Yes. Yeah, I hope-
1: assume that that was spontaneous, not actual bullet wound. Well, I'm very upset. Uh, I could have been shot there. Uh, You know, sort of a stigmata thing where if you believe it hard enough, you'll just start spurting blood out of a wound.
0: Okay. Well, maybe that's what happened, but I didn't see the guy get shot. He's talking to Aaron and then all of a sudden he just, you know, has a change and he starts bleeding and they realize he's injured somehow. So, uh, they start walking him to safety. And I think that's the last we see of them. So we don't know if Eric is, I mean, he was alive when we saw him, but we don't know if he's about to die or not. Right. Team Carol, uh, Ezekiel speaking to the whole group about their victory, uh, you know, given the whole motivational speech and on the walkie they have, they hear the saviors and they realize that they do in fact know they're coming, but Ezekiel convinces them to push on and continue the fight um, because he's Mr. Positive, which is fine. Uh, now Jerry says something here, you know, they know they're coming and he says, he uses a phrase that I had to look up. He uses the phrase break chalks," And I did break not. Break chocks. I did not know what that means, but I looked it up. Is it like,
1: uh, removing the chalks from, uh, an airplane to allow it to move?
0: Uh, it, it, it just means to leave in a hurry or abruptly. And, and I think it is a military term originally. So when a, when a squad breaks chalks, they sort of get up and leave rushed. But that's, I haven't
1: heard that term either. I just inferred it from the word chalk
0: or what the term might mean. But if it's a military term, I haven't heard it. Yeah. No, I had to look it up. Uh, But, and that's it for them. We go over to Team Rick and he enters another room. He's left the baby alone for now because it's asleep. So... Uh, We don't know the fate of that baby yet. He picks up a photo and we can't really see the people in the photo, but he says, damn it, to himself. And then a man approaches with a gun pointed at him and tells him to turn around slowly. We get a shot straight on of this guy. And uh, Jason, did you recognize this person before Rick said his name? I absolutely did not, Christopher. I'll admit that I did not either. But a lot of people in the audience, people that I was watching this episode with the first time, did because there was cheering. So um, see,
1: those are the people that go back and watch the first season every once in a while,
0: or before every season, like you do with a couple of shows. So yeah, if
1: this had been Game of Thrones uh, and they brought somebody back on the seventh season that was only
0: around in the first season, big like, holy shit! That's what's his name? Yep, or what's her name? Well, that's what seemed to happen in the room I was in. But uh, Rick recognizes Morales way back from episode five of season one. That is a long time ago. And Morales is pointing a gun at him. He tells Rick that he's called the saviors and they're coming. The camera pushes in on Rick's face as sort of Rick realizes the severity of the problem he is in now. And we get another slow montage of close-up character shots. We go from Rick to Daryl to Aaron, who's helping Eric. So that's the last we see him. Morgan, Jesus, Tara, Ezekiel, who's kind of smiling because he's, you know, in a better position, Carol, and then back to Rick. And Morales cocks his gun. Episode over. Cut to black.
1: Well, Morales is pissed. There's no reason for Morales to be, you know, specifically pissed at Rick,
0: right? Well, let's talk about Morales a little bit. So, um, crazy, crazy to bring Morales back like this. I went back- So far away. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've come a long way in the last couple of years. A long way. I mean, I went back- And watch the scene in uh, Wildfire, which was season one, episode five, when they're 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 in that quarry, remember, and they're planning to move out. And Morales tells Shane and Rick that he's not coming, or he, he him and his family aren't going with them because they have family in Alabama. I think he said Alabama, maybe even Birmingham, and they're gonna go to them, and that's just what they gotta do. So Rick and Shane give him a gun some ammunition, I guess some other things. Everyone hugs goodbye. There's crying, there's tears. The kids are like handing toys to each other and they sort of wish them well and and send them on their way. And here we are seven seasons later, eight seasons later, and Morales is pointing a gun at Rick. They recognize each other and saying, I've called the saviors. They're coming. So he's, he is Negan. It it would appear. Um, um, And I guess his hard feelings to Rick are all generated in the last couple of hours as Rick has uh, fought his way, well, not even really fought his way into this building, but killed the guy that Morales was living with, (laughs) which I think is what was going on there. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It could be, you know, to each his own. Uh, I don't know. Two men and a baby.
0: Yeah. There was a two men and a baby scenario going on here and Rick comes in, kills one of them and now Morales is upset. But- You know, that would piss me off. Sure. Personally. But joking aside, why is Morales so, um, hostile towards Nick in this scene? I mean, I guess he just killed a guy, but like, has Negan been talking up Rick and talking him up like he's the villain to all the saviors and Morales has just bought into it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a trust
1: issue. Maybe, uh, you know, Negan proper doesn't trust Morales, uh, and because Morales said, you know, I knew Rick, he, uh. He's a pretty stand-up guy. He was hanging out with some people that uh, seemed to be pretty good and we left and so uh you know Negan is not trusting him and this is a way to prove his loyalty to Negan by capturing Rick and mm. therefore uh is uh, so adamant on Rick not uh getting away. I don't think he's going to kill Rick outright. Uh, um, but yeah, I think he's going to capture him and give him a, as a present to, uh, Negan and say, see, I'm, I'm loyal. I took this guy that I used to know that was nice enough to let me go. And most likely is the cause of my, uh, wife's and family's death, but you know, whatever. And then, uh, give him to, give him to Negan and, uh, get in Negan's good
0: books. I think that's a solid theory, uh, which I hadn't considered because my mind immediately went to, well, Daryl's going to rescue Rick, Right. Daryl's in the building too, and well, yeah. potentially Morales doesn't know that. And um, those three other guys, who the fuck knows what they're doing? Well, they're still down on the ground floor, I think, with their thumbs up their butts doing nothing. I But uh, Daryl is up there with Rick. He's just looking at a different part of that area. So if you think Daryl, they on a TV, they're watching porn? Yeah, they could be. They're like, shit. I mean,
1: we could be clear in this building, but damn, you know how long it's been since we've seen porn? <laughs>
0: Let's put some on, man. There's a satellite dish. Yeah. yeah. He's pouring all the time now. (laughs) Nothing like three dudes sitting down together by themselves and putting on a porno. Man, I would, I just, I I don't think I could do that. No, that be one of the more uncomfortable scenarios to be
1: in. Yeah, we should try it. I mean, you and I are pretty good friends. I've never watched porn with you, but, you know, we should throw it on sometime and just see how uncomfortable it is. I'm
0: coming over this weekend, man. I'll bring my- uh... porn. Oh, well, I'll bring mine then. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. That's what we need is
1: your yeah. personal porn brought to my house so that we could watch it. Honey, what are you doing this weekend? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> we're trying something very uncomfortable. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try We're gonna sit new. on the couch together. We're gonna yeah, we're like gonna. not even on the opposite ends. Like you're gonna sit on the side of the couch and I'll sit in the middle. Well,
0: <laughs> that's gonna be really weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. Anyway, yeah.
0: Who knows what those guys are doing? Yeah. Basically. So, anyways, I think Daryl is going to rescue Rick in this season in this uh Uh, situation, maybe not the next episode, but maybe the one after that. Next time we see Rick, uh, I, I just have a feeling Rick's not going to be taken hostage or captured or anything like that. Um, I think Morales, do you think Morales is going to survive? If Daryl comes up behind him, that dude's dead. And I have a feeling that might be the way this goes. Well, Daryl knows Morales, right? Uh, yes, Daryl was there. Daryl knows him, but A, will he recognize him? I mean, good God, Daryl's almost unrecognizable from now, uh, compared to what he looked like in season one. It was hilarious, man, watching and seeing little baby Carl and young, (laughs) short-haired Daryl where you could see his eyes and stuff. So Uh, back when he, this was even before he started collecting ears. Uh, yeah, he was only collecting squirrels back then. Oh yeah, squirrel bandolier. Right. He threw it at Rick. I remember that. He did, Those were good times. So I just think Daryl's going to rescue him, but we'll have to wait and find out. Uh, Otherwise though, man, this was a crazy action-packed episode. A lot of shooting, a lot of people doing different things, teams all over the place in different locations. I feel like this was sort of the most action-heavy episode we've had in- a long time or ever. Yeah. Was there any dialogue? I <laughs> assume there was some. There was a little bit. I mean, there was all the Carol and Ezekiel stuff and. Right. And and a lot of shouting on team Aaron back and forth. Uh, Rick and Daryl just kind of said things like, we got to find these guns. You go here, I'll go there. Yeah. They're pretty much so
1: simpatico. They just look at each other and go, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, stuff. Exactly.
0: They're a team. Another point at which people cheered in the audience I was watching this with was at the beginning of their scenes when they shoot those two guys at the door and then they come in together. There was something pretty, I got to admit there was something pretty heroic of seeing Rick Grimes and Daryl Dixon come through a door together, sort of guns up at the ready. It was right. It was kind of, was kind of cool. I thought, uh, but what I wanted to say, two things about this episode. One, we've now had two in a row episode one and two, that feel like everything has happened on on a single day, right? It feels like this episode picked up right where last week left off, and this was kind of their plan already, right? Their plan was to go to the Saviors, offer Negan that crazy surrender option, knowing that he wouldn't do that shoot that place up to fill it with zombies and then leave immediately and go and attack these outposts again, right? Like they haven't gone home to regroup or rest or do anything. And I kind of liked that, but I don't want it to go on too long. I think we, we need some context for time passing here, right? We can't just have like continuous action running together for five or six episodes, because it's going to feel like, how do we, how, how does all this happen in one day or in one sequence? So yeah. I, could, I could already kind of feel that in this episode. So I think next week they need to maybe slow it down a little bit and show us what's going on behind the scenes, kind of, if you know what I mean. Yeah.
1: I, I do. There was a lot of action in this. I, I'm actually uh, quite impressed with how they were able to uh, put on screen this amount of action and have it make sense. Mm-hmm. Like each uh, each location was uh, distinct. And then in each location, there was still a lot of action going on. And the fact that they were able to do that was uh, quite impressive uh, from a storytelling perspective. But, uh, you know, I absolutely agree with you. They can't keep this pace up because... If you accent everything, you accent nothing, and it's going to get boring real quick. So they need to they need to pull back. And next week they'll have a a, a Gabe, uh shitting pants episode.
0: Right, they're going to have the two of them. The whole episode will be in that trailer where they are and them just talking back and forth. And
1: you know, taking turns uh, taking a crap,
0: I guess. <laughs> Because I assume that the reason
1: Negan was saying, I hope you got your shitting pants on is because, you know, he really didn't have time to finish his meeting. And so he needs to continue (laughs) with his uh, taking the crap. And now he's stuck in here with a priest. And what do you do when you're stuck (laughs) in a container with a priest
0: and you got to take a crap. Well, what you do is you sit right next to each other on the couch and watch some porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and If you don't have porn, you find a corner and you finish your meeting.
0: All right. Well, that's what's next week. But uh, yeah, I just think they, they've they really strung two episodes together here and, and they can't keep it up. And if they go too long, I'm just going to be like, all right, we need to contextualize the time, the passage of time here, because has it been... One morning or has it been like three days, but we just have only seen them, you know, executing these, these attacks. Yeah. That's how I feel about the last, since Friday. It's just all flown through, flown so by. It's
1: just all blurred together. Is like, has it been three days or is it still friggin' Saturday morning?
0: Well, me too, frankly. I mean, I, I landed in Atlanta on Thursday and I flew out of Atlanta on Monday and everything in between is a, a blur of panels and. Whiskey, so. Yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, so this episode was called The Damned. So let me ask you this question, Jason. Yes. Who are the damned? The saviors or our group of Alexandrian heroes?
1: They're all damned. They're all. They're all the
0: walking dead, right? They're all, well, yeah, we are the walking dead. But who are the damned? I started thinking about this and I think it might be Our teams, our heroes, not so much the saviors. I mean, initial thought is like, oh, it's the saviors. They're the ones all being killed. Our team is finally on board. They're getting shit done. And, you know, these people are damned. But when you think about it, and I realize this because of the way they framed the episode with the face montages at the beginning at the end, they were showing us the state of people at the beginning in a subtle way and showing us the state of the people at the end and how it has changed. Because When you think about it, Rick, he's at gunpoint. He could be shot and killed with the pull of a trigger. Aaron and Eric are in trouble. Eric has been shot and they are still in a firefight, but they're trying to escape, you know, with one man injured. Morgan, he's all messed up. Uh, You know, he's clearly under some emotional stress. Jesus and Tara are kind of at odds, right? They started the plan together, but now they're at odds. And that feels like there's a a rift or a disagreement in the group, which you don't want when you're doing something like this. Ezekiel and Carol, I mean, they may be on, you know, in positive town, but their plan is kind of screwed up because the, the saviors at this outpost, they're going to know they're coming. And then there's Daryl who, he seems like he's okay, but maybe he's traumatized by seeing those bloody handcuffs because he's projecting back to Merle. So I am thinking that all these characters who kind of started in a good place, ended in not so good places so if nothing else i think this episode really was a it was a turning point in this plan right the plan has now gone off the rails a little bit and damn the characters aren't you know in as good a good shape as they were when we started so what do you think about that
1: that makes perfect sense and i think you're absolutely correct and i should be a tv writer (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you should be at least a commentator of uh,
0: TV. Oh, well, good. On some kind of internet medium. Perfect. Well, I'll get on that right away. Uh, But anyways, and then I, I, you know, having considered all that, I'm like, uh uh-oh, maybe our characters are the ones that the title's referring to as the damned, not the saviors, which I thought going in. So um, there you go.
1: I think they're all damned. Every single last one of them. They're all dead already. Yeah. There could be that too. Yeah, we are, you know, we're all dead already.
0: Yes. Really. It's just a matter of time. Every minute that goes by. Well, on that positive note, <laughs> um, <laughs> did you enjoy the episode? Did you like this one? Did you like it as much as the premiere? I didn't like it as much as the premiere, but uh, I, did, I did enjoy it. Just, uh. Too much action? Not really too much action. No,
1: not really too much action. I think there was lots of action. Like I said, uh, it was really well choreographed and uh, thought out and everything was clear. I didn't get confused at all by who's doing what now and what's going on. It was all very clear and laid out really well. And I did enjoy it, but uh, I just, I think that the, uh, the premiere squeaked in a little bit higher for me.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, But, but they were close and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't, I didn't ever find this confusing either. I think they did a really good job of keeping straight who was where and more or less what they were doing without having characters just come out and say, here's what we're doing. Except for Rick and Daryl, they kind of just said, we're looking for guns. <laughs> and, then they, and then they did. So, all right. So two pretty good episodes, in our opinion, to start season eight. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll read your holy crap moments. Uh, don't skip the break, though. Another new announcement coming after this musical interlude. Stay with us. I was looking in the lab. My eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match. It caught on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match From my laboratory Hey everybody! I just wanted to let you know that we have a new merchandise store. Um, we've been selling shirts for a little while with our logo on them, and I don't expect anyone to go buy them. But if you did want a shirt with our logo on it, you can now go to talkingdeadpodcast.com/store, and that will redirect you straight through to our new uh, merch store. And the way this works is you can buy our stuff but I've also gone in and curated a little bit of a list of other things available on the website, which is t public but uh, go through our link and just, it'll get you right to our page. And so what I've done, and with Jason's help, we've chosen a bunch of stuff that's in our store. So you can buy any of that stuff. It's all things we think is really cool. It's by other, you know, designers on the site. And I've chosen a bunch, of, bunch of stuff, mostly Walking Dead, Back to the Future, Star Wars, etc., stuff like that. Um, but the first one you you see will be our handset logo that we've been using for a long time. So if you want to get one of those, you can. But you can also pick up one of the other designs that uh, I think is, are kind of cool. So. Um, check that out at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash store. It's not only shirts, too. You can get mugs, you can get phone cases, pillows, all kinds of things with the design on it. So if you find something you like and you don't wear T-shirts, then, you know, you could get something else. Um, but check it out. They are doing a sale between November 1st and November 6th. Uh, it ends at midnight on the 6th. And as far as I understand, there are going to be $14 t-shirts, which is a hell of a deal for a shirt, and I think 30% off most other products. So now is your chance to get a deal. So talkingdeadpodcast.com/store that'll push straight through into our curated store with all those designs, including our own. Check them out and uh, let us know if you see anything in there you like, um, and I hope you do. Master Master. Holy crap, did you see that? Alrighty, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? I'm going to start with a rather long one here from Carlos in Tijuana. Holy crap, did you see that completely confusing and useless episode? (laughs) Oh, this episode was all over the place. I wasn't sure what group was where, if they were all in the same compound, just in different parts. What happened with Negan and Gabriel? It was an endless string of shooting with very little accomplished. We were introduced to new saviors who were just there without any idea who they were or where they were. All in all, it seemed like a filler episode with nothing important added to the end game and those slow, dramatic close-ups of the group's faces at the beginning and end just added to the confusion because they were close-ups of people who were not together at the time. Disappointing episode. Hopefully things begin to pick up and we get more content and less filler. So uh, I I don't think you, are, uh, you and I agree with Carlos's comments, really, but is there anything to the idea, Jason, that this episode did not... Uh, push the story forward in any way or is that just uh hooey
1: i don't know i mean everybody has uh you know opinions may vary on on shit like this so you know in i'm not sure if it if it pushed the story story forward or not i mean negan wasn't involved in this right it was just executing plans that they had Mm -hmm. um I mean, it's arguable whether or not the story moved forward at all. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm on solid ground with either side of that argument. So, I mean, it's it's a matter of opinion as to whether the story's moving. I thought it was uh, a good episode, but, you know, opinions may vary.
0: Sure. I don't agree with Carlos, actually, at all, because I think it did move things forward in, in the way that I was talking about earlier, in that All, all, almost all of our primary characters, the ones that we saw in the character montages, their situation and or mentality towards this were affected by this episode. Um, Almost none of them are in a better place now than they were when they started. So I think that was important. I think this episode was about seeing what this kind of thing does to people rather quickly, right? Because this has all happened as far as we know in one day. And all of a sudden, after the highs that they were on, after the way things went down at the actual Savior's compound with Negan, to the lows that we are at now. So I think that's what this episode was about. It has nothing to do with Negan. It has to do with what war or this kind of thing does to these people. So for me, I think that was plenty, actually, for this episode. Right.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, So sorry, Carlos, but uh, you're all wrong, man. (laughs) Uh, Ryan on the internet writes Holy crap. Did you see that moment where Rick realized he may have killed a dad protecting his baby? It was only a few moments in the show, but it was truly heartbreaking. Yes, the saviors are evil from a certain point of view, but they're still people. And uh, that's it. That's, again, that's what tore Rick down a little bit, I think.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Gemma in South Wales writes, okay, so this episode, my holy crap is baby Gracie. So I didn't mention, but the baby, we assume her name is Gracie because that was written on the wall right above the crib.
1: Yeah, I assume that as well. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a, a, a relatively newborn son and I didn't write his name on the wall, but there are animals on the wall. There are, Yeah. Every
0: baby has animals on the wall.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I, I you know, I didn't write Jasper. Jasper's name is not any, doesn't appear in his room anywhere. Well, is that odd?
0: Does that make me a bad father? No, I don't think so. Um my children's name names were not on the walls either. But hey, maybe this guy needed to remember his kid's name.
1: Did you write them your your names on your actual kids and marker?
0: So you wouldn't forget? Bottom of the foot, yeah. Yeah, that's what I did. Okay, good. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Gemma goes on. I've actually felt sick since watching it. I found it too upsetting. I know I'm a mother of three, so things with kids do affect me more, but Rick can't just leave that baby there, surely? Or could it be that the little girl in last week's flash forward was not in fact Judith, but Gracie? (laughs) That would explain how much Rick has aged, but Judith is only maybe six years old. But anyway, if that scene is not resolved, I will feel very unhappy. There was a lot of killing this week and it was intense, but baby Gracie left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Watching the realization of horror on Rick's face at what he just did to Gracie's father was disturbing. And I agree. Totally agree yeah. with that.
1: It was, it was, it was a little upsetting from a, as a, as a father. Like, you know, people say that it changes when you become a parent. And- mm-hmm. I always thought that was bullshit. Like my whole life I was like, eh, come on, that's horseshit. That's just people talking bullshit. But then damn it is true. Then you
0: became a parent. Then you became a parent and shit like that kind of upsets you. It kind of does. Yeah. Um, I, I think Gemma, you know, stick with it. I'm pretty sure they won't leave that scene unresolved. That baby is going to be just fine. And that's what I'm telling myself for now. Yeah. They won't kill a baby. No, I don't think they'll kill a baby. Uh, so Graham on the internet writes, holy crap, is anyone else sort of bothered by the body count of the saviors? Yes, I understand they're the enemy, but it bugs me that these are all living people that could be or should be turned into allies. They're going to need every living person at some point to rebuild society. Did the body count bother you at all in this one? Nope. (laughs) Nope. Not even a little bit. Nope. Not at all. All right. Uh, I do think the body count was high. And we've already really talked about my feelings on the way Jesus was killing people and then not, but uh, it does feel like the saviors are losing a lot of manpower in the last little while. But yeah. I guess they have a lot of manpower to start.
1: They probably do. There's probably other outposts that uh, Rick doesn't know about.
0: Don't even know about yet? Yeah.
1: Yeah, secret secret outposts that, uh, you know, not even a lot of the saviors know about. Ooh. Where they're storing the... You know, the really big firearms, like the tanks and the uh, howitzers and, uh, you know.
0: The F-14s. I assume Negan has a fleet of F-14s.
1: Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, those things are hanging around somewhere, right? they got to be know, somewhere. The zombies don't eat all of the planes. They're, no. You know, there's got to be some stuff lying on the ground somewhere that's perfectly serviceable.
0: Sure. You got to think so. Uh, Miles in San Francisco writes, holy crap, first time in a while I miss Glenn. As much of a badass as he was, I'm not sure how he would feel about all the killing going on in this war. What do you guys think characters like Glenn or Herschel would be doing during the war? Uh, I feel like Glenn would be right there beside them fighting, uh, in the name of his unborn child, probably. But I do see your point that, you know, Glenn was at times a little uncomfortable with with all the death, and um, maybe he'd be the one to speak up and say, you know, uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, but Jesus has filled that role now anyways, so.
1: Yeah, for some reason. I think if Glenn were there, uh, he would be filling the Jesus role uh, with more backstory and with more context than than what uh, Jesus was doing.
0: Exactly. I feel like it would make a little bit more sense, probably, but that's it. But uh, I miss Glenn all the time, no matter what, so it's not that not that unusual for me. Yeah. Uh, Christie in the UK writes, Holy crap. Did you see when Morgan came out of the base and looked like he was going to kill the savior that killed Ben as, uh, as Jesus was talking him out of it in the background, someone was taking a picture with a Polaroid camera. I am intrigued to see why they're taking these pictures and how they will come to play, uh, come into play later. Hmm. So I don't know if you still have the episode up there in the scene. I did not notice this, but I assume Christy means that one of Team Terra, like one of the guys on our side, was taking the Polaroid picture and not one of the saviors. Because we know the saviors at this place were taking Polaroids as well. But now we also know that Rick was doing it, and now this uh, other character was doing it. So do you happen to have it there?
1: I don't. I, well, I have the episode up, but... And I can stab
0: around a bit, but, uh, I, I have no idea. All right. Well, it's, it's. it's, I didn't see it. It's when, okay. Yeah. Neither did I. Apparently in that moment when Jesus is talking, uh, Morgan out of killing the guy, um, that's, uh, oh my God. Is that Jared? Sounds right. I should have known. Um, I, uh, I met him in, um, in Atlanta and super nice guy in real life. Um, I was wearing a priest costume for some reason, and he really, (laughs) he really, really liked my priest costume. He sort of pointed at it and laughed and said, that's fantastic. (laughs) That's awesome. Good. So nice dude. Um, but anyways, no, I'm going to go back and check for that Polaroid because that's two episodes in a row now. AMC actually released the Polaroid apparently that Rick took in the first episode, you know, it was a promo thing. So I wonder if every week sort of midweek we're going to get a polaroid picture released and in every episode there's going to be someone taking a picture.
1: Yeah, I just uh I have the uh this shot right now. It is not a savior. It is one of our guys. Yep. That uh, Team Terra that's taking the picture because he's got a firearm slung over his shoulder and I assume they would have completely disarmed these guys.
0: Yeah. Well, by this point you would think so. Yeah. So someone taking a picture, but uh, I'm going to go back and take a look myself. I have and, a Polaroid uh, camera kicking around somewhere. I don't know oh, yeah. film
1: for it, but uh, it's kicking around.
0: Yeah, we've got one. We have one. We we used it at the kids' birthday parties one time. We had them make their own little toothpick frames and then everyone took a Polaroid and they got to take a frame, fo- framed photo home.
1: Like an actual real Polaroid with, or just like one of those little tiny ones?
0: No, they, yeah, the Polaroid pictures aren't as big as they used to be. Um... Maybe they still make those, but this was one of the smaller, uh, film size ones. Right. Still fun for the kids. Uh, all right. Sarah and Iowa writes, holy crap. Did you see Lee Norris as Todd? Lee was mouth on one tree Hill and, uh, looks like per according to IMDB, he's on another episode this season also. Um, so I just wanted to include that because I know there would probably be other people that recognize this guy. I have never seen him before. Never even heard the name Lee Norris. So sorry, Mr. Norris, but, uh, yeah, I know what those words all are individually, but yeah. put together like that, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, me either. I'm sorry, but Sarah recognized him. And so Todd was the dude at the beginning who, uh, got sent inside and, And then apparently was on the walkie three seconds later. Um, But he's a known actor. And I looked him up and he's been in a bunch of stuff, but nothing I recognized him from.
1: Yeah, I didn't recognize him.
0: All right. We've got a call now from Chris in New Orleans. I don't remember anything about what Chris says, so let's hear it. Hi, this is Chris from New Orleans. Holy crap. Did you see how they used a real tiger, but digitally put Ezekiel's hand in, petting him? All right, that's it. <laughs> so uh, it went on there for a second. I thought maybe he had more. Um, uh, So this wasn't a real tiger, was it?
1: Well, just maybe at the end when he was petting
0: uh, Shiva. Yeah, but apparently, I mean, I guess they couldn't have him pet a real tiger, so they CGI'd a hand <laughs> in, but again, did not notice while I was watching it. But then I have bad... I don't know, CGI radar, because I thought, as I mentioned last week, Grand Moff Tarkin looked great. Uh, but I didn't notice. And, but I also was paying more attention to the tiger because I sort of like to look at the tiger and decide if I think it looks good, but apparently it was a real tiger. So it better have looked good. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know.
1: It, it. it, the tiger looks real and the hand looks real, but the interaction between the two of them don't look real and... Determining CGI from reality when it's not human faces is difficult to mm. tell, unless it's that stupid deer from uh, last season of The Walking <laughs> Dead that Rick goes to
0: shoot. Right. That deer that's the only native to Georgia where it's oh, like man. pixelated they half. And...
1: Might as well just put a, they might, might as well took it taken a black card, written the word deer <laughs> on it, and held it in the background to some guy holding up a sign saying deer and then running off. That would have been, I would have been like, okay, it was a placeholder.
0: They forgot about it. That's great. (laughs) That's great. Instead (laughs) of putting this abomination deer on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, one more thing. Thank you, Chris, for that. That's one more thing for me to go back and check and see if I can, if I agree that the hand looks terrible. Uh, and finally we've got Christine in Northwest England who writes, holy crap. Did you see Jesus become the new moral compass for the show? Where exactly has this come from? And that is my question too. Yep. At least within the confines of this episode. Yes, he has had some of that before on the show, but didn't totally work here. So I'm not the Uh, only one. See?
1: Nope. You're not.
0: All right. Uh, That is it for Holy Crap. And that is going to be it for this episode of the podcast. I do want to talk about Walker Stalker Con Atlanta a bit, but maybe we'll do that, like I said before, next, uh, in a few days when we do feedback, uh, those podcasts are generally a little bit shorter and we'll have a bit more time. So we'll do like an after hours on Walker Stalker Con because there's lots of fun stuff to chat about. And again, not everyone wants to hear it because <laughs> not everyone was there or cares, of course. So yeah, I wasn't there and you don't care. So I'll just sit here and talk to myself about it. Sure. All right, that'll be next time in addition to all of your feedback. So please, please do send it all in. You can um, go to our website, click on send voicemail and record a message for us. Uh, You can also just record a message straight into your phone or computer and then email it to us. If you'd like to email it in, send it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's also where you should send your record a favorite scene entries uh, to and, you know, once we start getting a few of those in, it does take a few weeks sometimes to get rolling. I like to play them on the uh, podcast. Um, so let me know if you don't specifically don't want your entry played, and I'll definitely respect that. Uh, anyways, you can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash dead. Remember, we have a new merchandise store, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash store. That'll forward you straight through. It's not just our stuff, which is there, but it's also some other designs that the community on this site has created. And uh, if you see something you like, you can uh, check it out and buy it if you want. All right. uh, We'll be back in a couple of days, I guess, at this point with our feedback show. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.